my name is Brian Martin and you are listening to Season 3, Episode 8 of the Running Technique Tips Podcast, the season where we're talking all things cross-country and road racing and training, even though neither of us are actually doing much of the racing part, Lisa. How are you going up there in sunny Gold Coast or is it raining Gold Coast? Oh, raining Gold Coast. You know, we've actually been coming up to this event for the past eight years straight. I either I haven't necessarily always competed, but we've always got friends and uh, sister-in-law actually lives up here, so it's a good excuse. And every year has been perfect conditions and this is the first year in eight years that it it's actually been torrential and then it stops and cloudy so look some really tough conditions up here actually this weekend so you know there's been a couple of fast times up at the Gold Coast Running Festival and I tell you what the people that ran those times had amazing days because it was not, it was not ideal at all. <laughs> yeah well you know it's it's, it's funny you say that because with I just I mean I was just looking at some of the times that were recorded like I think the winner ran in the men's race ran two oh seven something mm. and the yeah. the winner of the females was maybe a smidge under two twenty eight yep yep and some pretty speedy times recorded in the half marathon for both the men and the women as well like sixty two win for the men and for the women it was sixty nine something yeah yeah very strong yeah. run so I think the half probably had a bit better conditions than than the fall the wind picked up a little bit but look it was still you know the roads are super slippery the rain mm. during the the half so I didn't actually run I I'll, I'll get to that in a minute but I, I did go to spectate and I got absolutely saturated because it was you know those sort of tropical you know there's tropical up yep. here in Queensland that when it rains it doesn't just sort of come down a little bit it's torrential so you know the poor as Forrest Gump <laughs> would say it's big fat rain yes it really was big fat rain so I think it was towards the end for the poor half marathoners that just got absolutely soaked so it would have got pretty slippery underfoot so um mm. but uh me myself I actually pulled the pin on competing uh although that yeah. said I I actually did the kids 2k fun run on, <laughs> on <laughs> Saturday good. my just turned five-year-old just qualified for um competing it's you have to be fu- between five and ten excellent and uh so I jogged along with her yesterday and do you know what in my head it's I think you've got to compete complete within 20 minutes and I thought yeah. oh she's I don't even think she's walked 2k before like I'm not sure how we're going to go here 20 minutes she ended up running the whole way. She had two like microsecond stops. She mm. ran fourteen fifty one. Wow. Was that because you were just running along behind her, whipping her like the you know, the ugly parent that you are? <laughs> Not at all. She was holding my hand, dragging me along and then ah, she okay. saw right. her auntie in the crowd with about probably about 100 metres to go, and that's where she had one of her micro stops, saw the auntie, yeah. saw the camera, and was like total hero sprint. <laughs> she left that's, me for dead. <laughs> very good. Well, that's a pretty good time. I mean, oh. that's um, that's quite a bit speedier than what um, Google Maps puts down for walking pace for most people, so she's well and truly ahead of that. Oh, she had – and do you know what? The best part about it, she was so cute. She had a huge smile on her face at the end. She got her medal, and she was like, whew, you know, a bit puffed now. Legs are a bit sore. 
door. So we went for breakfast and I was pretty proud about this. In true runner's style, she ate not one breakfast, but two breakfasts. <laughs> Very good. Second <laughs> breakfast. Very good. Yeah, she had the second breakfast. But um, I was meant to do the half. Actually, this was meant to be my marathon redemption, the Gold Coast Marathon. And then I, yes. I in my over-organized state, had entered it, I think, in February and then downgraded after the Canberra half marathon mm-hmm. to the half and ended up doing nothing. So it was the most expensive spectator ticket I've ever <laughs> paid for. And I was just really umming and ahhing. Uh, you know, I, I've been back running this week. Last week I was still walking. I saw my amazing physio and my diagnosis actually wasn't a calf strain or a tear, so really pleased mm. about that. I had an old injury flare-up. Have you heard of the popliteus before? I have, yes. I have the little muscle behind Uh, the knee. That's the one, yeah. Mm. So that had actually flared up to the point where it gets – incredibly tight and what had happened it had tightened so much that it was restricting the blood flow this is what um she'd explained to Mm. me to the calf which was then in fact obviously causing the calf to just get tighter and tighter and tighter and that's why I kept complaining of remember how I kept saying I couldn't work it out because it was never one spot that was sore like it kept on moving around anyway so she pretty much spent about 50 minutes of our hour session working on the popliteus released Mm. that and then let instantaneously my calf just let go so she did say to me though very wise move just stopping running because she said because it gets you know the blood flow is not getting through and it gets so tight it will actually then tear so um Pretty pleased about myself. I walked out of there pretty chuffed, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd done the right thing. So, anyway, in her, you know, amazing sort of style, she always says, "We'll run." You'll like, you'll know when you can run. She doesn't prescribe, you know, any hard and fast rules. And I actually ended up just taking all of last week off. I just, again, I wasn't in the headspace. My calf was still. After a sort of when I'm really injured, and after having a session with her, I often feel like I've been banged with a bat or an iron bar or something I just feel really beaten so I just took the extra couple of days and then started running this week and Brian I just in the end I had four weeks off so I had a couple Mm. of false starts where I went for a couple of you know jogs of about 200 meters here and there but effectively four four weeks I didn't realize it had been that long like I think I was just in my cloud of busyness that I hadn't quite sort of calculated the time and I feel like I'm starting from zero again as in the aerobic fitness is there but I feel awful when I'm running I feel my hips ache I've got no form I just feel uncoordinated it's been a bit of an uphill battle this week with the running so I think slow and steady has going to have to win the race and that's why I decided to pull the pin because I wasn't worried about my calf I was worried about my knee I sort of thought well going from zero to 21 k's yes is probably a recipe for another injury and I'm really glad I made the decision because I just did a 15 k yeah and I had to stop four times, stretch the knees, stretch the hips. I did a couple of activation exercises. Mm. So 
it took me a while to get through that 15Ks, but as I say, I'm, I'm back on the horse and not injured, but uh, you know, hopefully onwards and upwards from here. Yeah, very good. Good call because a half marathon is as described. It's like half a marathon, so it's quite yeah. a long way. So yeah, <laughs> doing that of not an ideal preparation was probably never going to end well for you. you no, know, and do you know what? I had a good friend come over last night. We're staying up here and she sort of turned to me in her wise, blunt words. She's like, what are you trying to prove by just... Mm doing yeah. it and I was like oh nothing actually <laughs> she said all right you might... what, are you, what yeah. are we both trying to prove at the moment Lisa like I actually wanted to talk about that <laughs> and she was like okay well you might run 90 minutes or you might run 88 minutes she's like but isn't the whole point to be trying to run maybe 84 or 80 minutes she's like mm. what are you doing just go and watch and I was like yep. I like you <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did I was spectator babysitter and and actually, everybody that uh, we came up with had an absolute shocker. So uh, mm. I was I was really pleased with my decision in the end. But uh, anyway, I'm off the injury bench. I managed 54 Ks of just trying to get back into it this week. And um, oh, really? Yeah. So that's me, pretty much. You, you did 10 more Ks than I did. <laughs> uh, well, look, it was pretty gentle running. I I didn't mm. do a whole. You know, heat 15Ks today was the biggest one. I did do a couple of sessions, but my sessions were on the Tuesday, I did a 690 meter times two at 420 mm-hmm. pace. And on Wednesday, I did three by 800s in 430 pace. So, yeah, you know, so it's not doing a lot, but still quicker than my walking pace that I've been doing for the last four weeks. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's me. I'm on two weeks of blissful holidays in Byron now. So I'm really hoping to get the body back in and I'm thinking I'm going to have to go back and start to do some drills and just some technique type of work. I just feel like I've lost it. It's probably easy to lose that little bit of coordination when you've had that much time off and Mm. you've done a few weird things in the meantime like running on the Alter G and some other bits and pieces which are probably not the best for (laughs) keeping uh, your gait in good alignment and good form so yeah yeah, you you wouldn't hurt to do a few a bit of that kind of stuff yeah exactly so back to some basics trying to get my the right muscles and joints and everything firing and hopefully I can report some actual good sessions and moving on to some good races so yeah spectator over here off the injury bench but what about you have you been doing any road racing I know there was the Sandown relays I meant to ask did you do them no No, uh, I didn't. No, there hasn't really been any racing. Uh, There has been a little bit of running in the last two weeks. But yeah, that was what I was alluding to with talking about the what are you trying to prove? I've just sort of made the decision to back off trying to push myself into doing too many races, especially those that are sort of back in Melbourne because I'm yeah, now doing all of this commuting and still settling into a new job and that's I'm just finding that fairly taxing in and of itself. So, yeah, without any kind of major goals or, you know, I, I don't get paid to run, right? So mm. I get paid to, <laughs> to do my job. That really is the main game at the moment. So running has taken a necessary backseat. But nonetheless, I've, I've managed to uh, string together a little bit of running, not a lot of running. Um, I don't know how you did 50Ks off nothing because this week I did 43 kilometres and last week I did 52 kilometres. So, yeah, what's that? That's an average of about 45Ks for the last fortnight. And just as a bit of a prelude to our topic where we're going to be chatting about training to kilometres versus or kilometres or miles versus time, distance versus time, 
last week, my training load of running-wise was four and a half hours, and this week I didn't even get four hours. I was three hours, 40 minutes. <laughs> and yeah. just sort of, you know, obviously the mileage is not very high, but yeah, interesting to see that that's about the amount of time that I feel like I can devote to this at the moment, um, and that's therefore driving the amount of mileage or the, the number of Ks that, that I have been doing. So I might, I might actually just walk through my fortnight or just mention a couple of the – because I managed did manage to do a couple of sessions, a couple of decent runs in amongst all of that, and mm. some of those were semi-promising to sort of indicate that whilst I'm not doing a lot, I am sort of still reasonably fit. And the first one's probably worth mentioning was – last or Tuesday before last (laughs) because it's a fortnight ago now ran for a little over an hour covered nearly 13 k's but within that time frame I did a threshold run and one of the things I'd kind of said at the start of this season was I was going to try and really work on that threshold kind of training and managed to get 27 minutes of unbroken threshold running done at about 427 kilometer pace Mm. And heart rate probably averaging at about 160, I would say, which is sort of bang on. So that was actually pretty good, like not super speedy, but, you know, on a on a dirt path running around for 27 minutes, that's actually a pretty solid training session. Pretty happy with that. Then uh, did some easy running on the Thursday that week. I think I was staying up in Melbourne. And so the Friday I had the opportunity to go and do a little mini session around Princess Park. And I have to say, Princess Park, when I'm just jogging around there, I get passed by a lot of morning joggers. So the people that run that course, people that run that course are either pretty fit or um, possibly pushing themselves a bit hard every day because some of the mornings around there, I've been doing my easy aerobic running and I look, I haven't been running that slow and people just zooming past me all the time. So there's a lot of speedy runners that use yeah, that track. I think there's a lot of speedy the runners. Morning. There's also a lot of footy players that run around there. So um, okay. yeah, I think that they are possibly the old training method of just go hard all the time. <laughs> go, go hard or go home. Yes, but anyway, on the Friday morning, I got to have my turn at being the speedy runner around Princess Park because what did I cover? I covered nearly 9Ks in about 43, just over 43 minutes. And within that, I did one of those, I never know what to call these. It's sort of like a pyramid where I went, yeah, it is a pyramid, isn't it? Yeah, it's a pyramid. Yes. Excellent, Brian. Get it right. So I did one of those one, two, three, four, three, two, one sessions. And they're, you know, minute, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes, one minute. And with only one minute jogging recovery between each of those segments. And whether you can kind of complete that at a pretty even pace and um, not blow yourself up early on is is a bit of an indicator of fitness with that session because although it's only like 16 minutes of actual hard running, it can be pretty challenging at times. I'm, I'm sure, I know I've blown myself up in that session a number of times and you probably have too, I would imagine, over the years. Mm. But what I managed to do was, so the first minute, the first minute was like 4.16 kilometer pace, which wasn't super speedy, 144 heart rate average, and that was just kind of getting rolling. The the two minute effort next was 4.02s, 152 heart rate, then a three minute at 3.59s, 157 heart rate. And the four-minute segment was again at 3.59s at 161. And then the next three-minute down was 3.58 kilometer pace at 163. And then I had two minutes at 3.54s at 161. And then the last minute was 3.57s 
157 heart rate. So I think the thing I like about what I did then was just the the metronomic pace. Like it was just I was just banging in on that around honing in on that four minute kilometer pace. Yeah, and I was able to do it all. Yeah, moving pretty quickly and doing it all off a minute recovery in between those segments. And yeah, it felt pretty comfortable. And I didn't really sort of get over my threshold until I got into that four minute segment. So yeah, I was just for some reason that morning I was moving really well. Maybe it was because I was down at sea level because I'm usually up at the Dalesford High Performance Centre at the high altitude of between six and 700 metres. So <laughs> maybe I had my extra lung for sea level running. I'm not sure what was going on there. But I think it's but possibly, was... um, you know, how you always talk about that you work best when you don't have a plan. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, it could have been. It's that kind of unstructured sort of session yeah, so you just, I was just, and I didn't have pace on my watch. I just ran it essentially by feel and heart rate. So I did have my heart rate showing and the splits, and that was all, all I had to go by. And I just kept on, yeah, banging in on that four minute kilometer pace. So I was pretty happy with that. Of not a lot of training. I think that's an encouraging kind of session. Yeah. I mean, are you leading into anything or you're just still well, being unstructured, Brian? I'm still being unstructured. Look, I, I did have that, and I was going to talk about this at the end, but let's, since you've asked me, I'll talk about it now. But um, I, I was sort of honing in on that Albert Park 10K, but I think it's more likely than not now that I won't do that just because it's that extra trip back to Melbourne. Um, so I think at the moment it's just running for enjoyment and fitness and getting myself in shape to um, do a few of the events that I've got in the long term, like the Flinders Island race, which is coming up at the end of August, and I think before then I've got, I think we've got the 15K road race in Ballarat. So that one should be one that I could definitely commit to doing. Yeah, I was going to say, um, come on, you cannot yeah. not do the one that is literally out yeah. your front door. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. When it's at your front door, it makes it a lot easier. So yeah, so yeah, those are probably the couple that I reckon I'd be able to sort of commit to. So like a 15K and a, a 25 and a bit race for the Flinders Island and, and they'll be good training runs for the marathon as well. I was about to ask um, you about that. Did yeah. you get your early bird entry in for your three and No, one? I haven't. I haven't actually entered yet, but I figured I'll just I'll just enter when I get round to it. I was just too busy to respond to the 20 emails that they'd sold me about sent me about early bird entering. They're, they're a marketing machine, the Melbourne Marathon, but uh, I, I guess the luxury of knowing that the marathon doesn't ever sell out in Melbourne or I haven't ever heard of it selling out in Melbourne. So um, if you're planning on doing the marathon, you usually can enter pretty late if you don't mind paying a few extra dollars. So mm. not a huge stress there. And so the week before last ended with a two-hour long run through the forest over my challenging hilly terrain and I managed in that run to do about 22 and a half kilometers at around probably 524 kilometer pace average and 139 heart rate average. So there was some, I won't read them all out, but there was, yeah, there was some easy Ks early on and then, yeah, getting up the hill at sort of about 530 pace and then probably about eight or nine Ks of running at either around five minute pace or under five minute kilometer pace. So again, I might remember I was sort of said I was going to plan on when I was doing my long runs to finish them off at a good pace. So uh, I was happy enough to be able to kind of finish that off pretty well, which gave me, yeah, what was it? The 52 and a half for that week. And this week's a pretty short report because for some reason or another, and I, look, I think it's because I had to stay in Melbourne a few days because the, the trains weren't running. So commuting just became a two and a half hour nightmare each way. Um, so I probably just wasn't feeling that enthusiastic about running, but yeah, just got one, two, three, four four jogs out during the week of between 47 and 27 minutes each and they were just nothing 
fancy to write home about. So they're all probably done at about 520 kilometer pace average or thereabouts and just all under aerobic heart rate because I wasn't feeling that great. And uh, actually, no, I forgot to mention last Saturday, I missed last Saturday because of the torrential rain event that we had out here. So I probably would have done a few more Ks, but there was it rained so much that... Um, yeah, basically a natural water course up at the Dales, Dalesford High Performance Centre that really doesn't run, for, only runs about once every 10 years. It started running. So yeah, it was a huge rain event um, last week. So that would have interrupted a number of weekend warriors campaigns last Saturday <laughs> in the sort of Ballarat area. Hey, have you considered given, you know, you are going to do this marathon and you mm-hmm. have said in the past you're a bit terrified of the whole long run, but it sounds mm. like you've got this new fancy loop and you're actually enjoying it. Have you thought about just thinking about, well, Sunday long run loop is going to be my main thing of the week and I'm going to do that every single week leading into this marathon to conquer those demons and whatever else I get in, I get in? Yeah, I I am going to do that, except I'm going to commit to do it every second week because I think if I did that loop every week, it would just break me (laughs) because you do feel it in the next, in the days following because it's got the climbing and it's also got some steep descending. So it's, you, look, when I've sort of finished it, I feel all right, but in the next couple of days after it, I just sort of feel like a little bit beat up. So I would definitely commit to doing that every fortnight and I was thinking from probably the next time I do it, I'm actually going to start extending that out a little bit because, yeah, as you say, I'm really enjoying running in the forest and it feels relatively comfortable running for two hours, even with the the solid pace at the end. So I think if I just extend that out and build that into a um, into a longer run every fortnight, that'll give me enough, enough fitness to get through the marathon, which I'm really kind of not going to set any time goals or anything. I'm just going to turn up and do it how I feel this time around. Um, but I definitely want to have some good solid long runs under my belt because to do it without that, I think would just be wishful thinking. A repeat of last year. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I don't know whether it'd be as bad as last year if I managed my pace better, but um, yeah, it's still setting yourself up for potentially a bad day. So yeah. And I finished off this week, basically, instead of doing the long run on the Sunday, because I thought I'd done my two hours the week before, I actually just decided to do another threshold run. And that it was basically 32 minutes at about three, uh, so at about 4:30 kilometer pace. So just sort of extending that out slowly. The week the week before, I'd done what was it, 27. So just pushed it out by another five minutes, and that meant that I'd covered seven kilometers. Mm. And I kind of plan on getting that kind of threshold run out to about 40 minutes, and that will probably be sufficient, I think, for my needs and for my level of fitness and ability at this stage to do a threshold run of that level. I might end up doing like a longer tempo at marathon pace later, but that won't be as quick as sort of 4.30 kilometre pace, I wouldn't think. Well, maybe Um, it might be. It might just turn a corner. Yeah. Possible, possible. Well, I think that could be wishful thinking as well, but you you never know. Funnier things have happened. Yeah. Do you know what? Watching the marathon today, it's such a, like, there is such mystery and, I don't know, nostalgia around the marathon. I'm sitting there watching, you know, all shapes and sizes go up and down um, around Gold Coast. And I did have a little bit of envy and jealousy. Like of just the actual event, but geez, the training is hard work. <laughs> <laughs> the training is hard work. The event is harder. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough event, but I'm like you. I, I love watching it and love. Yeah, and does, I um, even like not even just the elites. I get just yeah. as much inspiration watching yeah. the four hour, the five hour, the yeah. people that are in their you know ridiculous costumes in the six hour. <laughs> just grind it out because it's it's quite. I don't know. I find it really motivating. These people like it's them against the clock and no one's making them 
get out there and there they are still just yeah. ticking along the Ks. It is, yeah. It does kind of um, make you makes my hair stand up a little yes. bit sometimes. It's uh, yeah, when you when you're watching it, it, it is actually quite an emotional thing. And yeah. like I, I know for the two that I've finished, like when you finish, man, you're emotionally just spent. And yeah, um, if you've done that, you kind of know what they're feeling. But I think even before I'd actually done a marathon, I could just kind of empathize with what was happening because I could yeah. just I could imagine it. And, yeah, if you put yourself in their shoes and, yeah, it is quite inspiring. Yeah, actually, funny story from today. So I was standing on the side of the road with my friend and um, <clears throat> this guy stepped off. He was running with a three-hour pack and he was sort of doing some stretches and clutching at his back. And we said, well, are you okay? And he's like, oh, God, I've done all the training and I thought this was the day to break three, but, you know, my back's gone. I've got a back injury two days ago. <laughs> my friend said, I've got, do you want Nurofen? And he sort of looked at her and was like, have you got some? Oh, no, sorry, Voltaren. And and she was like, yep. She tips up her back, her bag, and out falls Voltaren in deep heat. And he's like, oh, I'll have some of that and I'll have some of that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, how good's the marathon? Like you wouldn't just stop randomly and ask someone for help normally on the on the street. And he's rubbing in the deep heat. He's taking her bottle of water and the, the bag of Voltaren. Yep. And um, he's like, you know what? Three hours is gone, but I'm still going to beat my mate. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Did you look him up afterwards? <laughs> oh, I didn't actually, but um, yeah, it would have been uh, <laughs> good to grab his number. Yeah, have to sort of see if you can track him down, find out what the result was. That would be interesting. But yeah, great story. Bit of bit of roadside assist there. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> right. So, should we talk our topic? Yeah, let's do um, it. All right. Well, why don't I play some music? Because I keep forgetting to do that. Training for time versus training for mileage. What do you reckon, Lisa? Which one's better? Yeah, well, I've got a, a few different thoughts on this one, actually. And I saw this tweet come up on, on Twitter and it sort of got me thinking because prior to, you know, the good old Garmin's and the GPS watches that we're all very much addicted to these days, I used to run to minutes and you know, I probably put, I need to put a caveat around that I was younger, a lot less stressed and had a lot less things going on in my life. Just, you know, my results were a lot better, but I didn't fuss over how many Ks I've run each week, you know, or do I need to get... But you, but you worked them out though, didn't you? Like if you're like me, I used to do that as well, but I used to kind of guess how many kilometres it was. Do you know what though? So look, I did, but I wasn't obsessed over it. So when I was in Ballarat training under Rod Griffin, you know, on a Wednesday night or a Monday, he'd say, all right, 40 minutes tonight, 50 minutes tonight. So that's what we would do. We would run, you know, the 40 minutes or the 50 minutes. And in my head, I always just assumed that I was running five minute Ks. But now that I've actually got a GPS and the terrain that, you know, we ran in Ballarat, you, you'd live in it every day Mm. it is not pancake flat like you are and where we ran in the canadian forest there are climbs after climb after climb so to be honest i probably was running six minute to maybe six and a half minute k's especially up some of those climbs and here i am just assuming you know every wednesday i'm running 10 k's i was probably running eight k's but it was if anything it was probably better for me because i wasn't a slave to this watch going oh my gosh, I'm only running six minute Ks. I need to be hammering up this hill to get, you know, 10 Ks in 50 minutes. It was, oh, we've just got 50 minutes to run. And 
I just I've been reading some articles on this and even just the the actual conversation. So it was Trent Stellingworth, apologies if I've pronounced that wrong, who actually posed this question on Twitter and just even the responses of um people below of a lot are actually for this whole minute and some of their arguments for is, you know, if you say to someone, for example, if they said to you, go out and run 30Ks, it might actually take you three hours or, you know, mm. maybe someone even saw three and a half hours as opposed to an elite person will, you know, it might only take them a couple of hours. But the amount of time on feet and some of the arguments that people are raising is um, the amount of steps, so the, um, the step count they're doing, the more steps the more injury prone or you're making that person more susceptible to injury. So it's made me start to really think about that a lot more in thinking, God, just turn that bloody GPS off and (laughs) go back to old school. Go say you're doing an hour run. So uh, look, even though I'm, I do sort of look at my kilometers a lot more now, I really think my best running was to simply running to minutes. And there's nothing stopping you running to minutes and still tracking your kilometres, but just let the time drive you rather than the kilometres drive you. So you just, okay, mm. I'm going to, I've got this amount of time to devote to training each week. And the thing that, the constraint that most people have is time. That's, you know, we don't control, most of us aren't fortunate enough to kind of control our, um, our week, our weekly time. So, you know, we've got X amount of time that we can devote to training, running pursuits, um, letting the time drive you seems to make a lot more sense than sort of setting some arbitrary kilometer target and trying to hit that and then realizing that you've committed yourself to 12 hours of training a week, which <laughs> there's no chance that you're going to fit that in. Or for most normal people, you, you're not going to be able to fit that in without, um, either A, breaking yourself or B, getting a divorce. <laughs> yeah, I mean, very difficult. And one of Steve Magnus's replies on um, this Twitter feed, and he has some really good stuff on Twitter, is makes this really good point about that prescribing minutes often lessens the psychological load. And, mm. you know, I totally agree with that, especially when training on your own and doing what you did this week in a workout, doing one minute, two minute, three minutes, four minutes, mm. as opposed to, if someone said do a 300, you know, do a 400, do a 600, do a 1K. And I don't know about you, when I'm just feeling tired or you've got your sort of set times that you know that when you're fit that you can hit. Hmm. But if you're not fit or you're on your own or you're feeling a bit down, I don't know if this happens to you, but sometimes if I don't hit those times, then I start, you know, I, sometimes I actually haven't finished the session because I'm like, well, this sucks. This, this isn't working today. Mm. I'm walking away. But if it was, you know, I don't know, five by one minute and you're just doing it around an arbitrary road or through the bush, well, nothing's measurable. You're still working you know, just as hard, but you're walking away with this really positive experience. And I think there's just so much more to gain in that than trying to kill yourself and um, trying to hit times that you think you need to be running over prescribed distances. Yes, absolutely. And I think there's just harking back to my forest running, like I've just been totally attacking that by time and just going, well, okay, I think this loop is going to take me two hours. So that's what it's going to be rather than thinking too much about the, the kilometers and how far it is. And the last couple of times I've done it, actually, you'd be proud of me. I've even covered up my watch 
so I can't see my my kilometer splits coming up. So the only sensation of time that I've had in that run is really every now and again a little vibration on my wrist, which is a kilometer split ticking over. But I have no idea how many kilometers have gone by because I lose count and I have no idea how fast I'm running and I have no idea of my heart rate. I'm just doing that completely by feel and I've actually quite enjoyed just doing it that way. Um, Just seem to get into that sort of timeless state and I think if I can run a marathon with that kind of timeless mentality in mind, it might be a good psychological trick to get yourself a lot closer to the finish without um, thinking too much about how far you've run. Mm, I think it's like that state of meditation again, isn't it? Then Mm. you get into that, you're into a rhythm, you're into a flow and the time and the kilometres can actually pass by really quickly without feeling like it's quite forced. So I'm, I'm probably in the, in the, time or the minutes camp more than the the miles or the kilometers camp but do you think it's sort of horses for courses like if you're an elite athlete you know you hear a lot that you know they're hitting 150 or 180 k's a week Mm. do you think for an elite it's actually something that they need to be tracking the kilometers or do you think that it, it can they can still be doing via minutes i think they need to track the kilometers because there's a certain formula especially for marathons that seems to result in in good performances at the top level but uh, you could still approach it from the mindset of I'm going to devote x amount of time to training and it just happens to be that because they're running so much faster that then works out to be a lot more kilometers than what what you and I and other runners could produce in a similar amount of time and I must admit I've kind of been thinking that there's probably like an optimum time window that you could put into your training almost well, not probably completely regardless of your talent and ability and your genetics but there's probably like an average uh, and every person's kind of volume of training that if you go up and beyond that you're probably going to get into overtraining yeah. and you know how many hours is that and I had this conversation with my brother a few times because he does a lot of cycling and swimming and I think it was late last year he was contemplating doing the marathon and he suddenly started adding some extra running into his program, but he didn't actually adjust the volume of cycling and swimming that he was doing. And, you know, he started having all these kind of problems and starting to get injured. And I was like, have you actually added up the amount of time that you're training? He did what I I did two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. Which is why that rang when you said that. I thought, oh, that just sounds just like my brother. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think he went from maybe doing training load of eight to nine, eight hours a week, maybe nine hours at the outside. And then he'd kind of added an extra hour and a half or something. Um, and suddenly he was, he'd was he gone into that sort of 10, 10 and a half hours, which is a huge volume of training for someone who's essentially working full-time, has family commitments Mm. and other things going on. So I feel like there is probably an hour threshold that you probably don't want to go beyond no matter what pace you're training at, particularly if you've you've got got family commitments, work commitments. And when I was running 80Ks a week last year, building up for the marathon, that was kind of generally between about seven seven hours to eight hours a week. And I was just sort of struggling to think of, well, what would what would life be like if 
I was running 10 hours a week, like wh- how would I fit that in yeah. and how would I feel if I was if I increased my volume of actual time on feet to 10 hours rather than eight hours? Like that's a lot. And at the moment, as we discussed earlier, running about four hours a week. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's quite exhausting. Yeah. Um, mm. Do you know, when I was doing the marathon last year, I was thinking about this too. So I was given two separate sessions and this – to me goes back to the psychological aspect that works for me especially. I was given a 21K tempo. You probably remember this. And I think I made 10Ks of it, but that was split into two 5K efforts because I just – could not I just couldn't do it I was just mentally I think I was I think I was actually mentally gone before before you started (laughs) before I'd even started and then I was prescribed a one hour tempo and I know 21k is is longer in time anyway than the one hour but one hour was still I think I got through it was nearly 15ks that I got through but I didn't I actually didn't really equate that in my mind at the time it was like I've only got an hour. And as I was running along, I didn't have the pace showing. It was just, you know, how much longer. And I was thinking, I've only got 15 minutes to go. I've only got 10 minutes to go. And I got so much out of that hour tempo, yet I was just a complete failure on that 21K. So it's, you know, I know that some people, especially, you know, runners, they're quite obsessive. So they probably love that whole, let's chase a number. Mm. But for me, the minutes, and it, didn't matter how fast or slow I went. It was whatever you're feeling today, running that hour is how it's going to be. Like if I was having a shocker like I did on the 21K day, well, I might have only done 12Ks. But that's also okay because the purpose was 60 minutes. Yes. And, you know, either covering your watch or only having uh, your heart rate showing is a is a great way to do that as well because you've just got time and effort and you've you've got a marker there to make sure you don't overcook things. Mm, mm. If you're not super attuned to running by feel, you can just have a look at your heart rate and make sure you're not over reaching on that front. Yeah, I think yeah. Um, I, I will just throw in a, a positive for like the kilometres or the distance. Mm-hmm. If you are doing sort of specific sessions where you're either time trialling or, you know, you're on the track and you are trying to hit specific splits, you know, if, you, mm. if you're trying to do like marathon specific sessions, you know, there are definitely time and place where you it is advantageous to go and do a particular distance so that you can actually work out whether or not, you know, your goal time for a race is actually going to come to fruition. Yes. But I I think we've just become far too obsessed as a sort of running society with how many Ks have we run per week. It's sort of like this badge of honour if you're doing, you know, 100 Ks or 100 miles or it's like this figure that we don't need to be chasing. There are so many other, I think, more intelligent methods um, and and things Mm. to look at than I've run X amount of Ks this week. And look, you know, I feel like, even though I've probably only averaged about 40Ks a week over the last three or four months, I'm actually in pretty reasonable shape. Yeah. Um, well, to go so, sub fours, uh, yeah. like I don't think you could have done sub fours last year. I know that the training was a bit no. slower, but mm. uh, yeah, like you you kind of, I remember you sent me that um, session and it was as though you were, it was just, oh, this was easy. I'm just running sub fours today. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, Brian, six months ago, sub fours, you were nearly having cardiac arrest. <laughs> 
Yeah, it certainly wouldn't have felt easy, that's for sure. Had <laughs> um, managed to dial into something good there. I guess uh, one thing I wanted to mention, and you know, it's been quite a while since I've mentioned Dr. Phil Maffetone, so it wouldn't be one of these podcasts if I didn't throw in some of Dr. Phil's. <laughs> Dr. Phil's um, wisdom, but one of the things I like in his sort of training methodology is very much around uh, a method for training for time, and particularly if you're doing some of these longer events like the marathon, he often prescribes a a marathon session or two which you spend the amount of time that you expect to be running on your feet, but you spend X amount of time walking at the start and at the end of the run uh, yep. um, as, a, as a way to kind of trick your mind into getting ready to spend that amount of time out there, but you don't do anywhere near the number of kilometres yep. that you would for the actual race. So, you know, for example, I could go out and do half an hour of walking and then two and a half hours of running and then another half an hour of walking at the end. And I've got my sort of, you know, three and a half hour time on feet, which would probably prepare me pretty well for for running a marathon, I reckon, that kind of session. Mm, And I think going back to what I said before around, you know, being susceptible to injury, adding that walking element in, and we did speak a a little bit about this when we were prepping for the marathons last year, especially around my knee, and I I Mm. didn't take it up in the end. Um, And maybe I, in hindsight, I maybe should have instead of trying to push for that whatever I did, 35K run. Um, Well, you didn't listen to my advice. So good until that day. Um, Yeah, like, you know, if you've got known weaknesses, then maybe try some of these. Well, not out of the box. I mean, he's certainly well known for the results that he's produced for some very well known endurance athletes. Yeah, and the one I think the one that he cites in his book was a, a guy who was trying to break three hours for the marathon and I think this I think the session was fifteen minutes walking, two and a half hours running, fifteen minutes walking or mm. something like that. And you know, if you if you expect to be out there for four hours, just extend it the walking segment for a bit longer, you know. Go walk for at least half an hour at each end and do some running in the middle mm. or have a walking break in the middle as well. Like, you know, as, there's a number of different ways that you could approach that. Mm, yeah, definitely. Well, I think um, I think we're pretty much in the in the minutes camp, but let's see whether or not we actually listen to our own advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've kind of got no choice really but to train that way at the moment because, you know, I, I, can't, I can't say I'm going to run 80Ks for, for a week because I just I just can't do that. I, I, I could probably just maybe find the time, but I think I would destroy myself in the in the process, um, given the other things that are taxing um, of my energy at the moment. So yeah, and yeah. Do you know one of the other. So Nick Willis, um, the New Zealand champion, mm. and um, you know he's actually one of the best in the world. He actually commented on this thread too, and basically said that it was impossible for him to track his mileage because ninety percent of his runs are on you know amazing trails in New Zealand and if anyone's mm. been from New Zealand or watched um, what's the movie that was uh, Lord of the Rings that was filmed in New Zealand so think yeah. of beautiful picturesque crazy mountains you know he can't even the GPS is just going to be so inaccurate so he just yeah. goes by time and then guesstimates the the miles but again what I was sort of saying before is well he would be going up some pretty crazy hills I reckon so you know mm. that training effect then if you're trying to run a particular pace and then you're trying to run a particular amount of k's you probably getting too much out of a session instead of just Mm. doing a 50-minute run. Yep. 
I think what anything that Nick Willis says, you should pretty much follow his <laughs> advice. Like, <laughs> he's got to be got to be reaching guru status at this point to you know with the results he's produced over the years. So. Yeah, exactly. A lot um, of longevity. So um, yeah, when I mm. saw that, I just thought, oh, spot on. And you know, having been to New Zealand a couple of times, I can certainly you know, understand where where, the, where he I guess would be running around. So um, mm. Mm, some good some good advice to follow. Yes, definitely. And speaking of GPS. I had this weird experience last week and look, I've I've had my GPS drop out and I'm sure that's happened to a lot of people or I've had my GPS tell me that I'm running faster or slower than what I actually was, but I've never actually had my GPS tell me that I ran somewhere where I actually didn't go. (laughs) So (laughs) one of my morning runs, I ran up to Princess Park and the GPS said that I ran through the cemetery and I did not. And I was like, this is just super, yeah. super weird. I've seen that before. My training partner at um, on her Strava came up and said that she ran across the ocean. <laughs> oh, is that right? Wow. So it has happened to other people. That's the first time that's happened to me. Yeah, and I guarantee you she did not swim because she doesn't swim. Mm. So, uh, And even the pace that she was running could not have cl- qualified her as swimming. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it does does happen. Some strange, strange things happen. Yeah. I was starting to wonder whether maybe, you know, America had decided to bomb Iran or something because, you know, I think that I have heard that they uh, make the GPS system go inaccurate if they're doing military actions. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> not sure on the bombing front, but, uh, yeah, Brian's GPS is kind of on the blink. On the At least they weren't bombing Melbourne. That's the main no, thing. No, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, very good. Well, yeah, I think I'm we're in furious agreement. I'm I'm into the minutes thing. I think that's a it's a smart way to train and it's a great equalizer for you know people of all different abilities and you know I, th- I think unless you've got a lot of spare time trying to do more than you know 7 to 8 hours running a week that's that's really getting into quite a serious volume of training yeah so and especially without the recovery keep, keep an eye on that. element of it too mm. i mean like you were saying before i don't know how i would am actually going to fit in any more than the sort of seven and a half hours that I do because the minute I get back inside, like I just did a 15K run. I walked in the door. I had my two-year-old, mommy, 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 mommy. And then the five-year-old, she's got running up to me and she's telling me something. And you think, whoa, I just wanted to stretch for two seconds. But that was never <laughs> going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah. Do you know, I actually trained to minutes when I was coming back from both pregnancies and I found it quite therapeutic yeah. again as well because, you know, I was not fit. I was not horrible shape um but to sort of have written down on the piece of paper a 20 minute run or a 30 minute run again was just a really nice psychological reprieve rather than thinking oh i've got to go and run 10ks how the hell am i going to do that um and the nice thing was i was tracking how far i was running the nice thing was i was actually watching how much I was improving each week. So I was still running my 40 minutes and, uh, but you know, one minute I'd be running seven Ks and then the next week it was 7.2 and then it was, you know, whatever. So yeah, so just a really nice way to train, I think. Absolutely. Well, I think we've kicked that one around enough. Yeah. Should we talk about what's coming next? Yeah, no, absolutely. So for me, I'm on holidays for two weeks in Byron Bay, uh, back to my happy place. And I feel like it's a bit of a deja vu um, from six months ago when I was there uh, for my Christmas, which I call my Christmas summer holiday yes. training camp, <laughs> uh, but just there on our own uh, this, this time. But it's going to be a bit of a reset, actually, just mentally, physically, emotionally. Both of us are needing a, a, just a bit of a break, but I'm looking forward to it, being able to train 
whenever I want, uh, being able to have time to do some stretches and these drills and, and that type of thing. And I'm going to try and get to Ballina Park Run actually next week. Uh, it's a really nice course. Did that a couple of times at the start of the year, which I mentioned. So um, that's pretty much me trying to just get fit and uninjured again. I've entered a 10K uh, on the 28th of July. <laughs> um, 28th of July? Yeah, it's not very far it's away. It's not far away. It's the one that I um, actually DNF'd last year when I <laughs> had the yeah. kids for 10 days on my own whilst my husband went on a luxurious um, surfing holiday and I just had no energy. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I've done that and I've entered the Melbourne Marathon, uh, half marathon. God, what am I saying? Um, definitely didn't enter the marathon. And uh, Tokyo entries, marathon entries, I think, open this week or on the 9th of July. So that's on my radar as well. Mm, interesting, mm. interesting. So wow. that's me. What about you? You're still commuting? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be another week of commuting. Trains will be back on this week, so that's good. So won't have to stay in Melbourne, which would be nice. I think it's just going to be another unstructured week, Lisa. Yeah, um, nice. Might, tr- might try and sneak in one session. And, yeah, I didn't mention in my wrap-up that I had managed to get into the gym maybe three times in two weeks. Okay. So I'll try and continue to get into the gym because I'm still finding that a bit of a bit of a reset for my body so I'll try and do that and at some stage in the future yeah I, th- I think if I don't get into one of these other longer races I will as I mentioned try and get into a park run because my my brother he ran about 1930 at the lakes entrance park oh, run what? on the weekend oh. so he's flying at the moment um, so yeah I've definitely got a target there to, to aim for um, it, it is renowned as being quite a fast track and uh, you know I've got a suspicion it might be a touch short but <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him that. <laughs> no, I did ask him what his GPS reading came up as, and he did he did admit that it, it might have been a touch short, but um, possibly the GPS inaccurate as well because it does have a does have one hairpin turn or something, and GPSs do get a bit confused when you go around tight corners. So, hey, let's just uh, who knows? Let's who just knows? Wait until you do it, then you'll run this cracking part yes. and come back and gloat that it was exactly five k. <laughs> Exactly right. Yeah, I'll go there and run run nineteen minutes and tell everyone it's five k when it's only four point nine or something. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit of that coming up, but yeah, that's about it. Nothing more complicated than that. Just yep, it's literally one foot in front of the other, Lisa. Yeah, very good. Well, you keep putting one foot in front of the other. I'm off the injury bench. And I'm feeling, oh, I'm not feeling good, but I will. Next week when we chat, I will be, I think I'm going to be back. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's wrap it there. You have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. Catch you next time.